Hello, uh, good day, and welcome to The Writer's Room, the podcast with me, best-selling horror and thriller author, Rick Wood. It is lovely to see you again in this um, cold December month. Um, I hope that you are enjoying festivities, you're getting festive already, or not enjoying them, if you found that you dislike how early they're starting, whichever way it goes. Um, today I'm going to be talking about a typical story structure. Before I get onto that, I just want to mention something that's happening on Wednesday, December the 12th. Um, quite a big event I've got going on, and I've got a webinar, so an online webinar that you are able to set up, that you're able to go to, I mean, and in this webinar... Um, you will be learning how to redraft the prose of your story. So by the prose, I mean uh, the words that you use and the language you use. Of course, many first-time or aspiring writers will read their first draft and say, this is rubbish. It's often because they fail to realise that the first draft is just the beginning of the process. Um, And they perhaps may even recognise that, but not be quite sure how to get beyond the first draft, how to actually redraft it. So in this webinar, I will be talking about what the process is for redrafting it, and specifically looking at the language you use, how you can go about redrafting the language you, you use within your story to make it read perfectly. That webinar will be on Wednesday, 12th December, and you, if you would like to come, you need to sign up to that weather, that, that webinar, um, which you can do by going to rickwoodswritersroom.com slash webinar. So today I am talking about the typical story structure. What is this? Um, this typical story structure is the three-act structure that 99.99% of stories go to. With movies, probably almost every movie that you see will use this structure. Um, such such movies made by Disney and Pixar, their animated movies, stick to this structure rigidly, really rigidly, and often makes their movies feel formulaic. Uh, but most, most movies will still st- stick to the structure somehow. Books don't always stick to it as much. They tend to go off, but that's often by choice, the way that you structure it. There are often quite a lot of uh, books that use a structure. I feel that writing a book... You don't need to go according to the structure, but you need to know the structure in order to write it. Often if you're lost or if you're not sure, and there are some elements of uh, the three-act story structure that do need to go into your book, and I will point those out as we go along. should point out as well that there is a far more detailed version of this story structure available, but I don't really see the benefits of going into every single part of it. I'm going to give you the basics for the story structure. So the story structure is generally divided into three parts, Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Act 1 takes up the first quarter of the story, and that is the beginning. Act 2 takes up the second and third quarter, so that would be the middle where the story happens. Then Act 3 takes up the final quarter, which would be the resolution. So, for example, if you had a book that was 400 pages... Roughly, the first act would be 100 pages, the second act would be uh, from pages 100 to 300, then the final act would be pages 300 to 400. And this is how they break down. <coughs> the hook, which isn't always something that you necessarily need to have. Not, not all movies have this, 
but it's often quite good, especially if you've got quite a large setup plan or quite a while before much really happens that you give a chapter to make the audience uh, get hooked in. Especially if you're publishing online on Amazon, there is a luck inside that people will use to decide if they want to buy it and you want to grab people's attention. This is just a scene, an opening scene that hooks people into the story um, that kind of gives something someone will care about or a big bang. <clears throat> Examples, um. For examples, even though this is kind of book writing, I'm going to use a lot of movies because um, not everybody has read certain books, um, but most people have generally seen some of the movies involved. James Bond always has a hook. Its opening scene always has some big action chase. Uh, Harry Potter, when Dumbledore arrived with Harry Potter on the Dursley store a doorstep and he spoke to Hagrid and Professor McGonagall about it. That was a hook, giving you what was going to happen. <clears throat> then we have the ordinary world. This is where we see the protagonist in their ordinary world going about their ordinary life. We just see what life is like for them before anything happens. Some examples, Shaun of the Dead is a good one. Uh, Shaun, uh, played by Simon Pegg, gets out of bed moans, kind of kind of yawns, and walks downstairs. And even though it sounds so simple, audiences loved it. That really gives us an idea of, of the character and what's going on. Uh, the Hunger Games, uh, Katniss hunts in the forest. So she's there hunting in the forest. That's her ordinary life. That's what life is like for her. Uh, Harry Potter, Harry um, comes out of the Harry comes out from the cupboard under the stairs and makes breakfast for the Dursleys. So that, that's basically him in his ordinary world. That's what he goes out about in his ordinary life. <clears throat> then we get the call to adventure. This is when something happens that brings the character out of the ordinary world and makes the story start. Um, usually there is a refusal in there somewhere where the protagonist ties, tries to decline the call to adventure. Then something happens which means they can no longer refuse. Um, call to adventure. Um, a few examples. Harry Potter. He talks to the snake in the zoo. So that is the moment the story starts for him. That's where everything starts to change. He speaks to a snake in the zoo, and that's unusual. Um, Star Wars, uh, Luke Skywalker sees the message from Princess Leia in R2-D2. So his ordinary world is he's with his uncle collecting droids. Call to Adventure is when he sees a message from Princess Leia um, to, to see the... Uh, to see, uh, to see the message. Um, even Shakespeare, we can go back there and look at Macbeth. The call to adventure would be when the witches appear and tell Macbeth that he will be Thane of Cawdor, then he will be king. The refusal occurs when he says it's not possible, but then he's forced into he become forced into the call to adventure when he hears from the messenger that he is actually going to become Thane of Cawdor. Then we have the first trigger after things then start set up. At the end of the first act, we have the first trigger. This is similar to the call to adventure, except it's bigger. This is where we are not just uh, pushed from the ordinary world into the story, we are pushed entirely from the ordinary world into a different world. So um, a good example is in Harry Potter when the letter from Hogwarts arrives. So the call to adventure happened when the snake spoke to him, but when that letter from Hogwarts, and he goes to Hogwarts, he's completely left that ordinary world now, and he's gone into a new one. Uh, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker returns home to find that his aunt and uncle have been killed, meaning that the farm he is called home to is destroyed, and he's forced to go on the adventure. He's forced to then go meet Han Solo. So he saw the uh, image from the droid from R2-D2, and he was forced into the... Uh, into the call to adventure 
But now he's forced completely out of that ordinary world and into a new adventure where he's going to go start flying into space. Which then leads us on to Act 2. Um, you start Act 2 normally with the watering hole. It's called the watering hole. This is not something you always necessarily need to do, but it's if you're not sure where to go next with a story, it's useful to have up your sleeve. This is where the protagonist goes somewhere to acquire information. For example, in Star Wars, Luke and Ben Kenobi go to Mos Eisley to acquire Han Solo to get information about how they can go search out Princess Leia. Um, in Harry Potter, Harry Potter goes to the sorting hat and he gets his hat put on. And he acquires the information there. So this is somewhere you go to find out something that's going to help you in your quest. Then we have the first twist, which is when there's a twist in the story. We all know what a twist is. And then the midpoint. The midpoint is something that I normally do not avoid using. I normally use it. Um, and this is normally around the middle of the story, as given away by the term of midpoint. Um, as the name suggests, it is the middle, but two things happen at the midpoint. Two things happen. Everything is revealed. You think this happens at the end, but it isn't. Everything is revealed. For example, in Star Wars, they see the Death Star for the first time. That's revealed. In Revenge of the Sith, Anakin turns to the dark side and the Emperor calls him Darth Vader. It's revealed. In Sleepy Hollow, we see the Headless Horseman for the first time. It's revealed. And then, even more important than that, this is now the point where it is completely impossible for the protagonist to return back to ordinary world. So with each step, it's got a little tougher. Call to adventure, he's been forced into the adventure, but he could still turn back. First trigger, he's taken into a whole new world, but he could still return back to that world. The midpoint, now, he cannot, he or she can no longer, can no longer return. Something happens which means they completely cannot. Revenge of the Sith! He's called Darth Vader, the Emperor. He turns to the dark side. He can no longer return back to the ordinary world. In Titanic, Jack and Rose make love for the first time. After they've made love, they cannot go back. At any point leading up to that, they wouldn't go back, but they could if they chose to. At some point, they could go back to those separate lives they were leading. After the point that they make love, they cannot go back. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, the two lovers get married. After they're married, they can't turn back. This is an important aspect, I feel, to have in your story. Later on in the second act, we get the second twist, where this is another twist in the storyline. And then at the end of the second act, we get the second trigger. Now, this is again something that I think, if you don't put in your story, it will feel like something is lacking. And even if you don't deliberately put in, I think most people unconsciously put this in. This is what's also referred to as the big slump. This is the point at which our protagonist is furthest away from what they're after. So they've had all these obstacles and this is where everything looks impossible and awful like they cannot possibly um, get what they need. It looks like it's impossible now. Um, so for example, in a romantic comedy, this will be the point where the love interest has got on the plane and has sailed off to another country. They're in another country. And there's nothing the protagonist can do about it. Nothing they can do to get them now. And they're never coming back. It looks impossible. In a detective story, all the clues are gone. The killer has escaped. And they have no more leads to go. They have lost everything. They don't know. In an action, the villain has captured the hero's mentor or love interest. And the hero has no idea whatsoever where they are. 
this is the point where everything looks awful and they're at their worst. Which leads us to Act 3. And the beginning of Act 3, we get Divine Intervention. This is where something happens that brings the protagonist out of that big slump. Where something suddenly happens or occurs that brings them out. In a romantic comedy, they see the love interest glasses on the dresser and they realise they do love them after all. And they then race to the airport. In a detective story, the protagonist is thinking over the clues and then suddenly about something about the clues that didn't occur to them before suddenly appears. They notice a bit of information and now they know how to catch the, the villain. In an action, they realise what one of the lessons their mentor taught them is and they use it to regather their strength. Something happens, maybe from a, from a mentor or someone else or a clue or a thought, something happens that means everything changed, which then leads us into the final battle. Another thing I think unconsciously you'll find it hard to avoid, even if you don't know this structure. This is the big final battle, where the final push happens. This is where Luke Skywalker fights Darth Vader. This is where the protagonist is racing to the airport to catch the love interest. This is where the detective has got the clue and they're chasing down the antagonist. This is the big final battle where everyone is coming together and everyone is fighting, which leads to the resolution. The story is resolved, everything is tied up, and the goal is either achieved or not achieved. And then the final bit is the return to the ordinary world. The protagonist is now in their old ordinary world or their new ordinary world. Either way, we see what that has become of them after the story, how they have changed and what life is like now for them. Um, a good, good one for this again is Shaun of the Dead where Sean goes into the shed and plays computer game with zombie Nick Frost. And that's a really good example of what happens afterwards. Um, another thing that you need to remember, this isn't part of the 3 x structure, but this is a really important technique for structure, is, oh, I forgot what it's called, Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun, which often, if you get stuck in a story as to what to do, where to go next, this is an important thing to remember and can be used at any point in the structure. This is the idea that if there is a gun on page one is because the protagonist is going to fire it in page five. If you've got your protagonist, for example, tied up in a basement and there's no way he can get out and he come to a stop and think, I have no idea how to get my protagonist out of this. Plant something five, 10, 20 pages earlier that they can then use. They can think, ah, hang on, what about this thing from earlier? And that's often a good thing in terms of the divine intervention is to have something that you've planted earlier on that could suddenly occur. For example, the love they're finding a love interest is glasses on the dresser. You will need to have those glasses feature earlier on. If the detective thinks of what a clue actually means, you need to have had that clue earlier on and a meaning earlier on that they can attach together. So that's another important aspect of of structure. So I hope that's been useful for you. Um, it's good to learn this structure so you can then choose to either use it or not use it. A reminder again, my webinar coming up on the 12th of December. Please do sign up for that. If you do have any questions for a best-selling indie author about publishing or writing, there will be a chance in this webinar for you to ask those questions. I hope to see you then and I will speak to you next week. Happy writing.